Hey, veg heads, veg your besties. Welcome back to Veg Your Best, the plant based podcast. I'm Michelle Olander, and today we have another great conversation. Episode 55 last week was Annie Sargent discussing vegan travel in France. And today, episode 56, our interview is with Kathy A. Davis from veginspired.com. Kathy Davis is an educator. She's a plant-based food writer, a plant-based lifestyle coach, a recipe developer, and a published cookbook author. Now, Kathy works from home, like a lot of us, but her home is her RV, so you never know where she's going to turn up with her husband and cats. Kathy Davis puts paid to the idea that to cook whole food, plant-based, or vegan, you need a big, fancy kitchen and access to expensive or sophisticated grocery stores. And keep an ear open for her tip about getting your cabbage to last longer. Her books are filled with great tips like that. We'll talk about all that in the interview, so I won't spend too much time setting the scene. But for you podcast listeners who want to hear more about food, food prep, and recipes, we've got you covered today with Kathy A. Davis from veginspired.com. Kathy Davis, welcome to Veg Your Best. Thank you, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we're, we're excited to have you here. I've uh, I've been looking at your books. I've been looking at your at your website, and I want my my uh, listeners to know right away where you are, where you're located this morning. I am actually calling in, interviewing with you from Newport, Tennessee, which is nestled up near the Smoky Mountains of Eastern Tennessee in our RV. And it's, it's a, it was a foggy morning this morning. So tell me where, do you have an itinerary or do you just decide week to week where you're going to be with your veg inspired uh, team? <laughs> well, normally we're booked out about six months, but I have not taken time to get those bookings squared away. So we actually only have one more campground until we we don't have a place to stay, which isn't a worry. We've found lots of different options, but we just haven't really picked that next place, that next little nugget of the U.S. that inspires us to, you know, make recipes and write articles and really just fills us with joy. So this is this is a good example for people who think, well, where I am, it's impossible to be vegan. Yes. You've been going all those places. <laughs> I have been going to all the places where it would feel impossible to be vegan. We just came back from a large loop out west, and we spent a lot of time exploring the national parks. And due to our cellular requirements, we need to have cell service. We kind of stay in little towns outside of the national parks. And wow, some of the grocery stores are so small. It was, there were some that didn't even have tofu. And I was like, wow. I mean, I, I'm whole food plant-based anyway, so I don't eat a lot of the processed vegan products. 
but every now and then I want a field roast burger or a slice of chow cheese or even just a good whole grain bread. And some of the grocery stores really didn't have those options. So navigating veganism and plant-based eating throughout the country has been an experience for us for the last two and a half years. So you know what you're talking about when people say, you know, what do I do if I'm in that sort of a situation where I am off, maybe not off the grid completely, but off, off the beaten path away from the big Whole Foods or the big Walmarts or the big other big stores that because Walmart around here, Walmart has a lot of plant-based foods and tofu and organic vegetables still, even if it is still a huge corporation, it's moving in that direction for us. Yes. You know, one of the things that I realized is being able to eat those whole plant foods that I'm finding in these grocery stores has actually created a lot, a lot more creativity in my life because I need to think about the different ways that I can incorporate potatoes three and four times in a week. Mm -hmm. So one of the issues that comes up with people, I think people who don't eat plant-based, whole food plant-based, is they think how restrictive it must be. But my guess is you don't find it restrictive. No, but I can relate to the people that feel that way. When I, to back up a little bit, I've been vegan for about about seven and a half years. But when the concept or the idea of eating more plants or plant-based was brought to me by my husband, I was extremely resisting. I, you know, I grew up in a meat and potatoes family. I had my favorites, burgers, buffalo wings, blue cheese dressing. Those were real hangups for me. I mean, I was okay giving up chicken, but what was I going to eat if I went to the restaurant and watched a, a ball game? I would want wings. What was I going to dip those wings in? And what I found over my six-month transition of just eating more plants and learning the variety was that I eat way more foods now than I ever ate eating the standard American diet. And it has opened up a whole new world for me. I love beans now. I hated beans before. The texture just threw me off. But learning different ways to cook them and learning different ways to flavor them has really opened up my palate and allowed me that variety. So that's wonderful because I do think that is some people have to just kind of trust us that they will really develop a taste. And maybe this is why, um, maybe this is why we want a process of, of going plant-based and vegan, even though there are some ethical reasons why some of us would say, no, it's now or never, it's all or nothing. Most of us need a little time to adjust, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, so I, I, I'm an ethical vegan. I choose not to eat animal products because I'm vegan. I choose not to wear them. I choose not to, you know, when we go to national parks, I'm not lined up at the petting zoos and they don't really Mm -hmm. have those at the national parks, but outside the parks, I'm not going to those. um, I always call them like animal adventure parks that are for profit. There's such a difference between the for-profit ones and the sanctuaries that are really about animal welfare and rescuing animals. So don't get me wrong, I would I would support those. But as an ethical vegan, I have really learned that I make more of a difference showing people how easy it is to eat more plants than shaming them for continuing to eat animal products. 
because I'm not, I'm not winning them over if they think that there's shame in what they're doing. They're just going to be even more resisting. And that was, you know, my transition was about exploring the flavors, about learning how I could eat plant-based in a way that made sense to me. And as you start to realize it's not what you thought it was, it's not as scary. You don't miss veggie. You don't miss burgers because you can find a veggie burger. It may take you 17 burger recipes to find the one that fits. Mm -hmm. But once you find it, you love it. And then once you find it, you're like, okay, I can, I can give up those animal products. And then for me, I started to watch the documentaries that did highlight the animal agriculture. And that was really where it pulled at my heartstrings. And I was like, I don't want to eat those animals anymore. I want to make this decision. And so I think you're right. We do need a process because for some of us, the resistance is so strong because we don't know what we don't know. And there's so much fear in giving up the foods that you know and going into this unknown territory of, you know, cashew cheeses and broccoli tacos and, you know, the weird Mm -hmm. things that we think, tofus and tempehs and soy curls and these mysterious vegan products that we use they're just unknown to people eating the standard American diet a lot of times. I think you're so right. And I think that idea, we don't know what we don't know is true. It's probably true everywhere. (laughs) And I think since I've become vegan, I'm much more onto myself that what else don't I see that I didn't see for many, many decades. And I didn't see solutions for because they just seem so, well, that's just too much. <laughs> that's too far. That's too, that's going to be too hard. So I love that. This was your first um, effort at helping people go plant-based was your, were your, your cookbooks or did you have another, another outreach before you started the cookbooks? So I've been writing and blogging on veginspired.com for about six and a half years. I really, really loved the creativity of the recipes that we started to make when we first went plant-based. I say we, because my husband was very involved in the kitchen. He loved to cook. And early on, he did most of the cooking as I was learning the methods and how to manipulate flavors and, you know, do more than boil an egg, because that's pretty much all I could do when we first got, so we first got married. And um, as he was teaching me all the, all the methods and the this flavoring. I loved what we were doing because we were taking my favorite recipes and turning them into a plant-based or vegan option and really trying to make plant-based eating accessible. And through Veg Inspired, I've been able to reach so many people and really share these easy recipes and these delicious ways of eating more plants and incorporating more plants. And I'd always wanted to write a cookbook, but I never really knew where to get started. So when the opportunity to write the 30 minute whole food plant-based cookbook came up, it came at the perfect time because about two years ago, I actually cleaned up my vegan diet to follow a more whole food plant-based way of eating because I was starting to feel, I started to feel icky. I was starting to feel the results of eating a lot of highly processed oily vegan products that weren't making me feel good. And I knew I needed to change. I knew, I knew that my body really enjoyed fresh vegetables and 
cooked vegetables and potatoes and brown rice and whole grains. I really thrived on those. And I was able to kind of pivot my, my way of eating to be more whole food plant-based. So when the cookbook opportunity came, I was like, this is exactly how I'm eating. It's perfect. Mm. Now, when you say cookbook opportunity, so first of all, you have three cookbooks and I, and I, the way we talked about them earlier, you drew my attention to the idea that you, they kind of bust three major myths about eating plant-based vegan, that, that it's a lot of, takes a lot of time, that it takes a lot of effort and that it's expensive. So let's just talk quickly about just like introduce me to your three cookbooks so our, our, our listeners can um, hear that because I love that time, effort, and budget are certainly the things that come up all the time. All the time, yes. So as a, as a precursor to all this, remember that I wrote all three of these cookbooks, each having over 75 different recipes mm. from my RV. So I always tell people like, you can't tell me you can't do this because I bet <laughs> you have more resources in your house, a dishwasher being one of them, oh. multiple dishes than I have in my little RV. So the first cookbook was the 30 minute whole food plant-based cookbook. All of the recipes, appetizers, snacks, salads, main dishes, desserts, soups, stews are all ready in under 30 minutes. And I really wanted to tackle the flavor because something I hear a lot too is that recipes can be kind of bland when we're following this whole food plant-based no oil no salt no sugar so really tapping into sauces and spices and vinegars and and lots of high flavored ingredients soy sauce and miso really pulling those flavors in to add that extra element of flavor in those 30-minute dishes so that's the first cookbook Right on the coattails of that cookbook came the super easy plant-based cookbook. Now, most of the recipes here are also whole food plant-based. There are a couple that use a vegan waffle, um, some vegan yogurts, but but really, if you are whole food plant-based, you can look for those unsweetened, low sugar, no oil type, type ingredients as well, because that's what we used when we wrote the book. But that one takes the effort out. So there's a chapter on no cook recipes. There's a chapter on five ingredient recipes. There's a chapter on one pot recipes, which have become my new favorite because I don't dirty a bunch of dishes in my RV that I have to wash with my own hands. And then the last chapter is an additional chapter on 30 minute recipes, which just, you know, just further solidifies how fast these things can be done and how easy they can be done. And then the third book, which just came out last month, is budget-friendly. So one of the big things that I hear a lot is people, it's always a toss-up. They don't want it to take time, but they also don't want it to cost money or too much money. And so you really have to kind of decide, am I in this for ease, not time-consuming, or am I in this for budget? Because my favorite example is broccoli. You go to the store, you're looking at all the broccoli, you've got the broccoli with the full stock, you've got the broccoli crowns, and then over on the other side, you have those pre-packaged broccoli florets. If you compare all three prices, the one that you're going to have to do more of the preparation is going to be the most inexpensive. So if you want it on a budget, you're going to have to do the prep work. If you want it to be easy, go ahead and grab those pre-cut florets and just throw them in to your stir fry and it can be ready in less than 30 minutes sometimes even ready in less than 20 minutes and 
you know, the budget friendly really taps into stores across the nation and how much our foods cost. And there's actually in that one, a three week meal plan with recipes that cost less than $50 per serving for the week, which is awesome. Mm, That is awesome. So that's, I mean, that's a good example. Are there some things where your personal choice now is convenience versus budget, certain things that you prefer? Um, For example, I eat the broccoli stalks. A lot of people, it would just be a big hassle for them. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of what what do I get that I do like the convenience of? Of course, it's of course going to go out of my head. Well, tell me, is there anything that's um, you choose convenience over budget in the RV especially? <laughs> yes. So um, I would say that we we use a lot of dried spices and um, herbs for convenience. Um, with that, you know. Oftentimes it can be a challenge to find the fresh herbs that aren't either overly packaged or that can withstand being in the refrigerator, you know, with the changing temperatures for, you know, a couple of days. Cause you know, for us, we move frequently. So our refrigerator will run on, we'll just stay cold while we drive. We don't run it on propane. Mm-hmm. So the temperatures fluctuate a little bit. Um, we we also eat the broccoli stock, so we we would buy the full the full broccoli and just prep it ourselves. But we have time for that. I'm trying to think of some other things that we opt. We do not make our own veggie broth, so we do use um, a veggie concentrate. We like the veggie bouillon, the low sodium one, if we can find it. Um, that's typically one thing that we we do pay for out of convenience of it being available. Um, Trying to think of other things that I use. You mentioned the spices. That's one thing we've gone back and forth on in our family. Now we have a big kitchen, but sometimes when we buy the spices and the um, the dried spices in bulk, we end up wasting it because of the decanting and relabeling. And I don't know, sometimes it does seem a little s- smarter to just buy them in the glass jars. <laughs> but yeah, we, um, we, Well, and something else that I like to do, so I wouldn't say that this is a benefit out of convenience, but I prefer to make my own spice blends. So having, you know, garlic and onion powder and cumin and all of that in in the RV to be able to whip up my own taco spice or to whip up my own salt-free blend, I do that a lot. I'm trying to think some other, some things that we do use out of out of convenience, I would also say are like prepackaged salad, not not plastic in a bag salads, but oftentimes we'll do the clamshells of baby spinach. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do love getting our own head of leafy lettuce and washing that over buying it in a package. So I think it just depends on what it is and what we're going to use it for. We, my husband and I both work from the RV, so we work from home. So our timing is a little bit, you know, we have more time to prepare things and we both enjoy being in the kitchen. I think sometimes when people don't enjoy being in the kitchen, it's easier for them to grab that, those convenience foods. So if you want shredded cabbage, go ahead and grab that slaw mix. If you want chopped onions, go ahead and grab it. I know that's probably not the most environmentally friendly option, but again, it goes back to the path of least resistance to get you eating more plants. Totally. I think that I think that's a very smart idea. The idea that if that's going to be the thing that, that holds you up on dinner and holds you up on choosing 
cooking something quickly at home or getting takeout or I mean it's we we need to be good to ourselves to learn to get comfortable and I think once you do something a few times you go oh it's easy to 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 chop up cabbage but is it maybe you only need you know four tablespoons of shredded cabbage for your tacos or something you don't need an entire green head of green cabbage so I think we become so much more environmentally conscious when we're good to ourselves and we don't shame ourselves and make ourselves wrong all the time. I I agree with that. And something that, you know, just popped into my head while you were talking, like if, if you're, if you're standing in the grocery store and you're looking at the prepackaged, you know, I'm going to use onions as an example, the prepackaged onion comes in a little plastic container. You could buy the fresh onion, but if you're going to cook soup with the onion, instead of buying I don't know, a frozen pizza that still has the plastic wrap. I mean, it really is about how deep does this go um, and really making the choice that's, that is, you said, is best for you and what feels good to you. Because I always tell my clients, like, how did that food make you feel when you ate it? Is that, are those fresh soups that are made with the fresh onions and the fresh veggies and, you know, the pasta, is that, does that make you feel better than that frozen pizza or that frozen TV dinner. I mean, that soup can be ready almost as fast as some of the TV dinners because you can just, you can, you know, open some cans and dump, dump them in and they're ready in 15 to 20 minutes. If you don't have to Mm. cook a whole grain or whatever, you can get quick cooking grains, but I wanted to come back to the cabbage. So here's a tip being that we live in an RV, we don't have a lot of space in the refrigerator for cut vegetables. With the cabbage, we actually peel the leaves off and use them leaf by leaf, keeping the head of the cabbage intact. It can last in a produce, we use a mesh produce bag so that it can still breathe. It can last Mm -hmm. for up to a month. Oh, wow. So it really allows you to get that fresh cruciferous vegetable as a salad topper, but not have to cut into it and use like a fourth of the cabbage. And then what are you going to do with the rest? allow keeping it intact and just peeling the leaves off keeps it fresh so peeling the leaves off from the outside and then wrapping them up and then shredding them that way cutting them into shreds or chiffonade like that yes i was just going to say the chiffonade i just roll it up and then just thinly slice the leaf i love that idea and then you can have it for your taco topping or your salad and you're not using like i said the whole fourth of the cabbage which dries out the center part of the cabbage making exactly exactly faster yeah, that's wonderful. What about that's a great t- everybody listening that you just got what you came for right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Go ahead and hit those one. five stars and give it a review for the tips that you're getting. <laughs> yeah. So Kathy, you also mentioned just in passing your client. So tell me a little bit about the work you do as, as a coach. Yeah. So after so I'm a former school teacher. I taught elementary school for seven years outside of North Carolina, which I stopped doing when we moved to Pennsylvania before we hit the road full-time in the RV. But one of the things that I loved about sharing the cookbooks and the recipes was the impact that I could make. And what I found was missing though, was that one-on-one communication. It was that, that group atmosphere, that community. And I started taking on clients to help them go from this stuck plant-based person to this plant-based person who's living plant-based lifestyle intuitively, really taking you out of that 
I don't even know where to start. I'm obsessed about food. I, I can't make it through the day without worrying about what I'm going to eat for dinner or worrying about what I'm going to eat. You know, with, if my boss invites me to dinner or like this overwhelming stress of plant-based eating. And I really lay down that foundation of how to get from where you are to where you want to be in this intuitive way of life around this vegan plant-based lifestyle. So I work with clients who have multiple goals. They might have a weight loss goal. They might have, you know, taking control of their health. And we, we look at the plan that suits them. So it might be the daily dozen. It might be Dr. McDougall's starch solution. It might be mastering diabetes. And my role is really holding them accountable and creating those those that pathway. Those I always tell people it's like little cobblestone pavers. It's helping them go from paver to paver to get to that that path, that plant-based. I would say that they're plant-based rock star dreams. Like what do they want to be? Because the plant-based person I am might be different than the plant-based person they want to be. And so I really help them achieve that goal. That's yeah, that's true. We do all have different goals. And some of us, it's very, very health driven. Some of us, it begins in one area and then evolves to another area. A lot of people to make them the first moves for health reasons or for environmental reasons. I find a lot of people don't make the first reasons for ethical reasons. And I think it's very interesting for me, I've seen that we really can be shut down on the ethical issue. We just can't see the level of it until we slowly move away from it and feel like it's possible. But while we feel it's impossible, it's just impossible to look at. What do you think about that? That's exactly how I was. I mean, I knew, I, I mean, I, I knew where meat and dairy came from, right? Like I, I knew that it didn't grow on a tree, like it, an animal had to be killed in order for me to eat it. But it just seemed so far away. It just, it just seemed so, like you said, impossible. And it really was, it really was those steps of learning that I could eat pasta with veggies and have the same satisfaction, if not more satisfaction in how I felt after eating it than pasta with meat sauce. And I think, you know, one of the things that I really work with my, my clients on it, it, because I've had to work on it with myself was really the mindset around reframing what we think our plate needs to look like. Because most of us grew up in those meat plus three or meat plus two families, you know, meat, potatoes, and, and carrots and corn. I mean, I didn't have a very diverse palate, so I didn't eat a lot of vegetables. So for me, going vegan was terrifying because like, what was I going to eat? And if it was for, you know, for the animals, it almost seems like it almost seems impossible because you're just, you're just so used to the way it's always been that even, you know, I, even, even the people who go plant-based for health reasons, a lot of times they're resistant too, because they're like, but that seems so extreme to stop eating animal products. Like, can't you just put me on a pill? And I'm always like, you could, is that the best choice for you? How is that going to make you feel? What are the other side effects? Like what, you know, what are the side effects of eating a plant-based diet? I've yet to find a negative one mm. other than what we think. And so I think, you know, that reframing and that mindset piece is so important because a lot of times it's, it's the things I always say, it's the things we think in the talks we talk that keep us from doing the things we want to do. 
That's great. I like that. The things we think, the talks we talk, because it is, that's how it's a feedback loop. We have a thought because we've had this thought so many times for years, decades, and then we say it, we repeat it, we share it with other people, they say it back to us, and it just becomes this, this hum that, that feels true, that feels 100% true. That's exactly right. And I, I, you know, one thing that I always say is stop using the word can't. You, you can eat that hot dog at the barbecue. It's a choice. And, you know, when we say to somebody, you know, you're at somebody's house and they, they're walking around with a tray of cupcakes that are not vegan and they come to you and they're like, oh, you can't eat this. And they kind of pull it away. I always say, you need to stand up for yourself, right? You need to say, you know what? I could, I choose not to, but I brought, I brought a plant-based cupcake. So one of the things that I always tell people and something that really made this way of eating so much easier for me is I always check in with a host or hostess at a party, at a barbecue. I find out what they're serving and I bring myself that option. So if there's going to be cake, I'm bringing my own cake. If there's going to be hot dogs, I'm bringing carrot dogs. If there's going to be burgers, I'm bringing a burger. If they're doing pasta, I'm bringing some kind of pasta dish. Because one of the things that I found is that when we feel deprived, like we can't have something, like we don't get to participate the way everybody else is, that creates this like resistance within us. And I never wanted that. I wanted to be able to eat the cupcakes when everybody else was eating the cake. If I go to a wedding, I'm like, what dessert am I going to stuff in my purse that I can bring with me? Right. We want to be, we want to, yeah. Because these, these negative interactions and these feelings of, of being marginalized somehow from our family and our friends and the fun and food is always about celebration or togetherness. I mean, the idea of not being part of it can be really daunting for a lot of us in the beginning. Sometimes later on, I, I have, a, I have a, a client, a former client who is wonderful, a very strong ethical vegan. And when she would bring her own food to the family Thanksgiving, they would put it all aside. And she was so hurt by that. I was like, well, maybe they just don't want it to get mixed up so you lose it. And she goes, no, no, no. They wanted it away from them. They did. And um, so, I mean, these things hurt. They, they, can, they can sting. And we have to kind of tr try to find a way to make it a fun memory or a laugh, maybe, because they do sting sometimes because they reinforce our narrative that if we eat differently, we aren't going to be able to have the same life that we that we had. Yes. So we have to always watch for those narratives that are practiced and 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 part. What was maybe the hardest part for you when you were when you were really deciding to no longer eat animal products? Was there a particular scenario for you that was difficult? I think for me it was tradition. You know, you you hit the nail on the head when you said that foods are part of celebrations. I mean, as far back as I can remember, even like a wee little tot running around getting told to stay away from the barbecue grill, like food was always the center of every celebration, every birthday party. We were all gathered together and we were eating. And I, you know, I just remember it being such a strong part of holidays and, and picnics and parties. And for me, I didn't, I didn't want to lose those traditions. And as you were just talking, one of the things that I think we have to remember as the people making this change is that our change 
affects other people's thoughts about themselves. We can't control that. But when we say something like, oh, I'm, cho- you know, I'm choosing not to eat animal products. I'm not going to have the Thanksgiving this year. Maybe you're a, you know, maybe your standard American diet and you're going vegetarian first and you're really, I'm not going to eat the Thanksgiving turkey this year. We also have to keep in mind that the person making that may take that as a personal attack. And so how can we soften it with and still stand in our conviction? And one of the things that I recommend and something that I did myself is really creating new traditions. My mom and I loved to make Christmas cookies. We would make them, you know, I remember as a, as a teenager and even coming home from college, we would make the Christmas cookies and we would sit at the table and we would decorate them and it would be fun. And it was just, it was just this fun memory. Well, if you're not eating, if you're not eating eggs and you're not eating dairy, butter, what are you, you know, what are you going to frost them with? And so one of the things you know, early on when I was eating vegan, I would just make an easy replacement, you know, flax eggs for the eggs, vegan butter for the butter. We could just make a vegan buttercream frosting. I mean, it was very simple, very easy. But as I transitioned to a more whole food plant-based way of eating, I wasn't using the oil and the butter either, even the vegan versions. And one thing that I started to do for for my mom is that I, I missed the, the decorating of the cookies. So I would make plant-based options that I could go and we could decorate them together and, you know, creating that new tradition. And so, you know, if your grandma always makes an amazing apple pie, maybe you go over the week before and you make an apple pie with her that's vegan. Maybe you, you connect on a different level. You know, like my dad makes an amazing steak marinade. Obviously I don't eat steak anymore, but we've taken his marinade and we've made it for plant-based options. We've marinated tofu, we've marinated tempeh, we brushed it on veggies, we brushed it on cauliflower steaks and really drawing into those traditions so that you don't have to miss the heirloom things and you can show people that their their foods and their favorites can be enjoyable as a plant-based option as well. And, you know, that's, that's something that's important to me you know, when all the work that I do is really making plant-based eating accessible and being able to hone in on those traditions and really start new traditions with the plant-based options is a way to include people who might be a little scared. They, they're not ready yet. I think that's, that's really beautiful, Kathy. The idea with Veg Inspired is such a beautiful name too, because we are hoping maybe to inspire people to try on some different things that may feel a little, little, a little uncomfortable or a little awkward at first, but this idea of we can sometimes feel unsupported by other people when we move in this direction, but we ought to just keep in mind the concept that our loved ones may also feel unsupported, that we may be, um, we may be giving off some sort of a vibe that they're doing it wrong now, that we know better. And maybe we do, <laughs> maybe, but but we, it's, not a, it's not a relationship um, enhancer, right, when you have that, that undercurrent going there. And I think that that is beautiful because um, we want to make these changes out of love for everybody, our planet, our species, everybody, you know. So it is good to remember because a lot of us, when we're feeling a little on the ropes on this, on, on this journey, um, sometimes notice who wasn't helpful, and it can be a negative. And sometimes maybe it's up to us to show that leadership 
there because it's it's in our control. What they do is not in our control, right? Right. And, it, and it's about being compassionate, right? Like we go vegan because we have a compassionate heart. We have a compassionate way with animals and, you know, extending that compassion to people on their point on the journey is also important. And I think that's one reason why, you know, vegans can get a bad rap because we get so, we're so strong in our conviction that we forget that compassionate part. Yes, it is absurd, right? That we drink the, the milk of another mammal, but right? like it's absurd, but that's what we knew, right? Before I was vegan, it didn't seem so absurd. Mm. And so really just taking into consideration that we've all been at some point on the journey. And yes, as we, as we, I'd say wake up, but as we learn the things we didn't know, we also have to remember that other people are on their path and it may take them longer. And most of us didn't choose this journey until we were ready. Something happens. We, we had this information coming at us for many, many years, probably, but we didn't hear it the way we heard it when we changed. Right. So that, that, that information has always been there. It's just, when is the student ready to step into it a little bit? And so I, give, give me an idea. What, what do you call, what's, what's a great idea of veg inspiration for people to, um, even if they're not fully where you are, what, what can they do to, st- to inspire the people around them a little bit to take on a little more plant-based life? Yeah, my, the thing that won me over that my husband did when he was doing a lot of the cooking early on was to make the the meals with familiar ingredients, right? He wasn't whipping up a tofu scramble. He was making me a breakfast of foods that I, maybe it was a potato scramble. Maybe it was, you know, home fries with peppers and onions and toast and, you know, leaving the egg out of it. And it, it really allowed me to see that things weren't what I thought they would be. And we aren't all always going to be ready, right? Everybody in your household is not going to be like, oh, heck yes, I'm ready to jump into giving up all the foods that I've always eaten and giving up pizza Friday and not going to the, to the, you know, diner for our regular breakfast. Like they're not going to be all in. And so adding, giving them familiar foods making foods that they already love as their favorite as the ingredients that you're cooking with allows you to bring out the flavors and the meals that could become your favorites. One of the things that we did early on was we would take potatoes and mix them with taco seasoning and make potato tacos. Mm. It's as simple as that, right? I loved potatoes. I loved tacos. And then I would top them with all of my favorite toppings, lettuce, tomato, olives, maybe some avocado. Back then I was eating a lot of more vegan cheese and vegan sour cream. So I would try that. But now it's potato tacos are a favorite. And it's funny to think that that was an early transition meal because I loved the foods. They were familiar. Early on, we made cashew butter sauce with pasta. I loved cashews. So it wasn't some odd, unfamiliar ingredient. It wasn't like, Mm -hmm. you know, my husband was like, okay, now we're going to eat okra and Brussels sprouts every night for dinner. I mean, step into it, you know, with your baby toes. Maybe it's swapping out, you know, chicken broth using veggie broth instead. Maybe it is, you know, maybe not giving your milk drinking family 
non-dairy milk right away, but maybe it's using it in cooking. Maybe it's using it in your coffee creamer. You know, really just starting to think about ways that you can incorporate some change early on to inspire others. Maybe it's going meatless Monday. Maybe it's, you know, vegan lunches and breakfasts. I mean, really stepping in in a way that supports your readiness to change, but also inspires others by using foods, like I said, that are familiar recipes that are familiar. You know, maybe you try peanut noodles or, you know, a veggie pad thai instead of a chicken pad thai, like just swapping in a few different vegetables and swapping out the meat and just taking it, taking it step-by-step step and day-by-day. Yeah, it's such a great, great advice. The idea of meeting ourselves where we are. We don't have to completely change everything because that is a recipe for most of us to just give up. And, and that's when it's too expensive, too hard and takes too much trouble, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's when we, when we get so excited that we dump all the stuff in our pantry and we buy all this vegan food and then we taste the cheese and we're like, oh, this doesn't taste good. I'm going, I'm going to order a vegan, I'm going to order a, you know, Domino's pizza or whatever. And you're, and you now have an entire fridge full of vegan food. And I'm like, those weren't familiar foods to you. you go from one end to the other. Yeah, those weren't familiar foods. Focus on incorporating more familiar foods. Maybe you add an extra vegetable to all your meals and crowd out your plate of the animal products. And really, it starts low. I always tell people like the Miyoko's butter and the red earth balance are like the two vegan butters that I recommend. And that's an easy swap. And most people don't even know because the red, the red one is soy free. So it doesn't have that slightly soy aftertaste, which I noticed early on. I don't notice it anymore, but when I was first transitioning, I didn't like the earth balance that had soy. I don't use a lot. Like I said, I don't use a lot of the vegan butters now just because I'm more whole food plant-based, but that's an easy swap. You know, try the Miyoko's butter, try the, the red earth balance and, and really see if, if your family even notices. I mean, if you're putting it on bread or on your vegetables, they probably won't even notice. Right. No, for sure. And this is something that your, your website, veginspired.com and your books all have lots of great tips, like the cabbage tip and like the, uh, like the certain brands that you recommend that you've had great, great success with and know that people like. So what's, what's the best way for people you think to get to know you through veginspired.com? Would you say that's the best way? Uh, that's, that's a great way to get to know me. Um, I'm really active on Instagram at veginspired. So people can definitely connect with me there. And then I also have a Facebook group. So I really thrive in community. So I actually moderate the group myself, uh, so they can connect with me there. It's just veginspired.com slash foodies. And it really allows us to just have, you know, co continue conversations that we've had today provide that support. And I do share some sneak peek recipes from some of the cookbooks in there, as well as I go live and do cooking demos and trainings each week to help support people on their journey. That's great. So that's, that's a good way. And I will have those links in the podcast show notes. And I wanted to ask, um, one of the questions I, I asked before I, before I interviewed you, I asked people some questions that they might like to know. A lot of people interested in how you went about writing your cookbook. Did you have a certain format or an inspiration or a process? Yes. So one of the, the ways that I really, you know, 
dig into recipes is I think about the flavors and the cuisines that I enjoy. So I'm very much inspired by restaurants that we go by or locations. Mm-hmm. And you'll see in the one cookbook, it's like, there's a lot of tacos. We were in Texas when we wrote that book. I always say, I say we, but I was in Texas. We were in Texas when I wrote the book and I'm always testing recipes and trying new things. And I'm just inspired by the areas around me. One of the cool things about these cookbooks is that they're, they were um, publisher driven. So I was given kind of an outline that to address some of the needs and really being able to tap into my creativity in the recipes and, and looking at things that I would have wanted to eat, right? Like breakfast is one of the questions I get all the time. And so, you know, I have those simple smoothie recipes, but then we get into oats and we get into like that country gravy kind of sauce type of recipe and the tofu scramble and really making the books that kitchen staple that you can go to regardless of, you know, what you're looking for, because there's such a variety and a diversity in in the recipes. And the other thing was what inspired your um, RV life? Yes, everybody always wants to know that. So my, my husband and I both grew up in Western New York and, but we didn't, we went to college, met in college, and then we actually went and lived about 10 hours away. So we've never really lived as adults near our family Mm -hmm. and all of our vacations from work, from holidays, we're always spent driving home and spending time with our family. So we didn't really get out and travel much. And we went on a vacation for a long weekend and kind of caught the travel bug and thought, how can we see the country on this limited PTO time that we have? And somehow we heard kind of evolved from, you know, taking weekend trips to really moving into an RV and just traveling full time. And our goal now is to hit all the states, all the, I always say the, the continental, but we'd like to get to Alaska too. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. We do want to get to Alaska. Um, and then of course I want to get to Hawaii. Maybe we'll rent an RV in Hawaii or something just to say that we, we RV'd over there or stayed in mm. the campground. And then we're also tracking all of the na- U.S. national parks right now. So we've been to, I think we're up to 18 national parks everything from the dry Tortugas, which we had to take a boat to outside of Key West, all the way to Glacier National Park, which was the big culminating trip this, this summer, this past summer. So do you live in a, in a house, a stick house at all? No, completely. No, we sold our sticks and bricks. We don't have a base. We, we, drive from campground to campground. And as you asked before, normally I'm booked out about six months so that we're, we feel a little more confident in where we're going to go next. And uh, with this, we're kind of, we're kind of just taking the flow based on our inspiration. We're really enjoying the the Eastern Tennessee and the Smoky Mountain area. We'll probably come back here. Um, We're headed out to the beach next week, and then we'll probably come back out here to kind of ride out the fall weather and get a little further away from the coast for hurricane season and then we winter in Florida so we're we do have a couple of campgrounds booked in Florida but nothing no continuous bookings we're just kind of gypsies right now (laughs) it's so exciting that's beautiful I think we all have a secret dream most of us will never do that but we all have a secret dream to live like gypsies that way that's wonderful Uh, so veginspired.com there's the um the Instagram um 
options, the books. Let's just read read off the titles of your books quickly before before we we wrap up today. Absolutely. So we have the 30-minute whole food plant-based cookbook. We have the super easy plant-based cookbook. And then we have the budget-friendly diet plant-based cookbook. Budget-friendly plant-based diet cookbook. That's all by Kathy Davis. It's best way to find them through your website or through Amazon. What's the best way? Uh, there are links on veginspire.com for them. You can find them all on Amazon. Some people I know don't love to shop Amazon. So what I always say is grab the ISBN number and any local bookstore can order it for you. It may take a little bit longer, but it, you can order it through those small book, bookstores if you'd like to shop local. That's great. I think that's really nice advice. Really nice advice. Kathy, thank you so much for bringing your, your particular viewpoint to us and your 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 um, peripatetic viewpoint all over the, <laughs> and, and really, if, if you in your, in your lifestyle can have a plant-based, whole food plant-based vegan lifestyle, I think most of us can do a little better, maybe. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's super yeah. great. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Michelle. So what did you think about Kathy Davis from veginspired.com? First of all, Kathy is a really great communicator, a great speaker, don't you think? And you can see that Kathy has learned a lot from her coaching clients. She's learned what the typical excuses are that, well, that we all have when it comes to cooking more plant-based vegan meals, right? Too hard, takes too much time, and too expensive. So what did Kathy do? She wrote the book, three books to be specific, Super Easy Plant-Based Cookbook, The 30-Minute Whole Food Plant-Based Cookbook, and The Budget-Friendly Plant-Based Diet Cookbook. Kids, if you are thinking about a business, think about solving your prospective client's problems or excuses that clearly, the way Kathy did. And if Kathy can write, develop, and test those recipes, in her RV, I think most of us can follow these recipes pretty easily in our homes. So I'll have links in the show notes for Kathy Davis at veginspired.com and to all her cookbooks, her plant-based lifestyle coaching, and the website to follow her on her RV travels. And keep an eye open on the Veg Your Best Instagram page to win one of her cookbooks. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So, until next week, make it easy and veg your best. <laughs>